Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. My, my, the times are changing. People are being stirred up about the things of God. It's amazing when you study the Bible, there's a lot being taught now in end times. Anything, anything, anytime anything happens in the earth like this, there is a, a uh, powerful uh, move of end times preaching. Eschatology is what they call it. And uh, some of the things I've heard lately are amazing. Uh, how many listen? Did anybody listen to Brother Joe Morse's weekly uh, update? It's, it's pretty good. He's, he's the guy that usually comes and teaches here. We have Brother Ted, our in-house end times minister. Uh, he heard a, a, a prophecy of a, of a Jewish rabbi that uh, was born again but has still maintained his position as a Jewish rabbi that talked about the last days being... Uh, uh, exclamated in Israel by uh, two men, two men named Benjamin uh, ruling the nation. And did you know there are two men named Benjamin ruling Israel right now? And so that's a very unusual prophecy being fulfilled. But there's other wonderful things that are happening. Now, you know, all of the stuff that you hear, uh, you know, you hear from missionaries, you hear from people, stuff that you don't hear on the news you know, you take, it, eh, you take it with a grain of salt, but you also trust that it's true because it's coming from people with integrity, which one particular missionary shared with us that uh, a report that they got out of that area of China, which this disease came from, which were many were stricken with this particular virus in uh, what, what, Wuhan, China, that not one Christian was infected by it in that, in that area right there. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. That God that shows you the keeping power of God. Now, in, in my studies and, and, and looking into the Word of God and praying about what direction we need to go, we're going to study uh, growing up spiritually uh, in a little bit more in depth so that we can grow, grow in the midst of this, not grow because of it. Listen, we shouldn't allow trials, tribulations, circumstances, and troubles to cause us to grow. I related a story in the first service, a book I read about uh, 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 a young man who was a paratrooper in World War II joined before the war, actually joined in 1940 as a 17-year-old. His mom, he was a, uh, a child of a, uh, had, was a, had a single parent, a mom, and she signed the document. He was able to go in the Army at age 17, went through basic training, and then once this specialty group of guys that jumped out of airplanes with parachutes, they began to form those divisions, uh, he joined that. And he said, you know, he was childish and, and all, everything that he did and a lot of stuff he was very... He said, but when I jumped out of that airplane on D-Day and all those guns were going off around me, he said, I grew up real quick. So there are circumstances that can grow you up real quick. Amen? But listen, we, want, we need to grow by the, by, the, by the milk and by the water of the Word of God. And I'll tell you one thing we need to grow into is our appreciation for church, our appreciation for the body of Christ, for what it really is. It's not, it's not just a, a group of people that ga gather together in a building that desire to build another building, that desire to do missions. It is, it is Christ in the earth. And that's why there is such opposition against it. And, you know, just the fact that they could shut churches down is scary. I mean, if you need anything, you need a church. 
Amen. Need a church. Thank God we've got a good governor in our state. Amen. A, a righteous man. And we pray for him and bless him in, in, in Jesus' name. And so, uh, you know, we're thankful for that. But, you know, uh, uh, two different places in the letters. Did I tell you, you could turn to Ephesians. But two different places in the letters to the church, in 2 Thessalonians and in 2 Timothy, in those two times, both times, the Apostle Paul mentions that in the last days, he talked about a falling away in one and actually talked about another one in which the word in the Greek is the word apostasy, in which people would leave the faith. Now, it's an incredible phenomenon that at the same time, the Bible talks about people leaving their faith or leaving the Word of God or leaving their churches. There's also talk of great harvest coming in. So you've got to learn how to navigate that to be on the right side of that. You know, we had a just and we're, Lee and I've been praying for the, the couple. We had a terrible fire in our neighborhood. Uh, when was when was that? Thir- Thursday night. When is after we went after church on Wednesday night? It's thurs- early Thursday morning. And it was one of those situations where uh, they, uh, thank God for a good neighbor that that woke him up and and uh, but it man it burnt the thing down to the just about to the ground just destroyed it. A terrible terrible fire. But you know here's the thing. We we're standing there. I think we were talking with uh, Ben and Audrey, and we were standing there. And, you know, we were standing right up above a bunch of uh, highline wires. And you know what's running through those highline wires is electricity. And basically what electricity is is directed fire. And then, you know, our cars, you go out there and and crank up a car and and the motor starts. That's that's fire and that motor that's doing that. So fire, you want to always be on the right side of fire. Amen. You want to be on the right side of fire. Same thing with the things of God, the glory of God. You want to be on the right side of it. A lot of people are going to get on the wrong side, but we're going to stay on the right side. And growing up in the things of God is going to help you do it. Listen, when things like this happen, you question things. You question your own faith. You question the Word of God. And something that I've noticed, even in the communication of leadership, even in the things that uh, people say when they... Of course, you know, they try to bring out the best in anybody, but you can't veil people's eyes with a mask. You can't. You can't do it. It's not the mouth and the nose that's the window of the soul. It's the eyes that are the window of the soul. And there's a, there's a lot of people who have lost jobs. A lot of people have lost loved ones. There are people that have been affected by this fire. And there is a sense of hopelessness that is literally welling up in our nation and welling up in the world. Well, that's good for us because we've got the answer to hopelessness. Amen. His name is Jesus. He makes the hopeless. He gives hope to the hopeless. Thank God that He does. But in the midst of it, We all must grow up to another level in order to protect what we have and also to be available for God to bring the harvest into the body of Christ. Listen, the more you grow up in God, the more you you solidify yourself in the move of God that God has you in, but also the more available you come to be used by God. Never before, listen to me church, never before has a greater window been opened unto us as the church to share our faith. Personal evangelism, the fire of God on the inside of us to share it with people. Listen, people out there, they just don't know what we know. I mean, all through this, even though it's been a bizarre drama that has gone on, I've had peace. Have you had peace? Has the peace of God been on you? Of course it has. Listen, they don't know that peace. They say that alcoholism has exploded in our nation, that drug abuse 
has exploded in our nation. Crime has exploded. People are just, they can't get drunk enough. They can't get high enough. Uh, All these things are coming. The Bible says of these days that men's heart would fail them for fear of that which is coming upon the earth. And I'm telling you, not so much this virus, but the anticipation of the economic recoil. Here we are in in, in the the upper Texas coast uh, here uh, where we live. And the major business of our area is oil. Did you know that? And the other day, oil went down to nothing. That's not good. I've studied oil. I remember in 1985, 86, and 87, we had a great uh, uh, recession, and it affected the oil community of Houston Houston greatly, the greatest uh, uh, recession Houston ever had. And after that, you know, I studied some things about the oil industry, looked at some things about it. And I, don't get mad at me for saying this, but I, it's, just, it's the truth. Our economy is very healthy when, ga- when gasoline is about $2.50 a gallon and oil is about $50 a barrel. Did you realize? Say, oh, man, this is great having 99-cent gasoline. It alarms me. It alarms me because I know that it is the lifeblood of this area and even our state. So we need to pray over the oil industry. Believe God that that'll, that'll come back up. Because, man, when it goes down to nothing, you know what they're saying? They're saying we don't want it. But we want it. Yeah. Amen. Well, people are not driving as much. People are not doing as much. And let me just, can I say this without, you know, back in, uh, in when was it, 2016, you know, we always tell people that we're not political. We don't move to one side or the other. We try to let people uh, pray and judge who to vote for uh, by the wisdom of the Word of God. Amen. But there are things that are just common sense. And let me just say this. Doing away with the oil industry is not common sense. You say, well, it's polluted the earth. No, it had. Did you know one volcano can pollute the earth more than mankind mankind can in 10,000 years? Listen, God is the one that created the earth. He knows all about it. And God is the one that gave man the wisdom to find that oil in the first place to drill it. If you took oil out of our lives, what would we look like? How would I get off on that? It's good anyway. Amen? So we're going to have to grow up in some things and believe God in some things so that we can not only just, like we've said from the beginning of this, not just survive it, but thrive in the midst of it in Jesus' name. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, But unto every one of us is given, thank God God is a giver, amen? But notice that's also past tense, is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Now that gift of Christ It's not the particular gifts that each and every one of us may have, a gift of exhortation or a ministry gift. It's actually talking about salvation. When you got salvation, you were also meted out a portion of grace. That's one of the things that we're believing God for here. A greater grace to go through what we're doing. A greater grace to to project, proclaim, and demonstrate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. A greater grace in the midst of turmoil all around the world to do what we need to do as the body of Christ to show people God is a good God and Jesus is the Savior of the world. Amen? Grace helps us do that. So everybody has that grace. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended on high and led captivity captivity captive and gave gifts unto men, now he that ascended, what is it but he uh, that uh, he also descended into the lower parts, that's the word Hades, or we get the word hell from that, into the lower parts of the earth. People say, do you really believe Jesus go, uh, went to hell? That's what it says right here. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers 
for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. I like one translation says it like this. Unto a mature man or woman, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we may henceforth no more be no more children. See, it's God's will that you grow up. No more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine and the slight of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Everybody say grow up. Now, here's the principle we're looking at. Growing up in the things of God, it takes a little bit, first of all, of identifying where you are. And literally, just like in the natural, there is growth and development. Amen? You have a child born into your family. The child's born into what? He's born into a babyhood state. He's not born a, a, a child. He's not born a teenager. He's not born. He's born into a babyhood state. And because of that babyhood state, that affords him certain rights and privileges. Him or her, that affords them certain rights and privileges. Now, you should, now listen, you should take care of a baby different than you take care of a 16-year-old. Amen. But you know, many people sit in churches for years and never grow up at all. They stay in that babyhood state. Now, one of the things that identifies babyhood state when it comes to Christianity is dependency. And I don't mean dependency on God because we all want to be dependent upon God. But I mean dependent upon the church. Uh, the church many times is unkind toward the babyhood state. Because the babyhood state many times manifests itself in certain ways. Just like there are ways in which a, a precious new baby born into a family, everybody oohs and ahs and everybody says how cute they are and how they look like one parent or the other and talks about all the, you know, she's got her mother's eyes or he's got his dad's, uh, got his dad's chin or whatever it may be. You talk about the positive attributes, but behind the scenes there's a lot of stuff going on that aren't so positive. Right. <laughs> Amen. Number one, babies tend to want to grab everything and put it in their mouth. Has anybody ever noticed that? When you had a child or you were a child, we were all like that. But the babyhood state of Christianity many times is where you are the most gullible and the most vulnerable to all the things that are going on and all the things that are being said. Now notice this one scripture. I want to bring it back to your attention. It says that we be no more carried about with every wind of doctrine. Now let me just say something, church. Get ready. I said, you get ready. The wind is fixing to blow. I'm already hearing the judgment preachers. Man, they are going crazy. The judgment of God. 62 million aborted babies. Pornography. Drugs. God has brought His judgment to America. But God, God, listen, literally said He would spare Sodom and Gomorrah if there were five righteous people. Amen. That's called the mercy of God. And we're living in a dispensation of the mercy of God. Now, I agree there's some things going on. But much of what we see happening, especially on the negative side, is literally the wage of man's sin. There is so much sin in the world. And that's a word the church doesn't even say anymore. But the wages of sin is death. And the number one sin is what? Separation from God by the non-acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as a Lord and a Savior. Let me just say this, and you know, I've become aware of this the other day in kind of a profound way. I don't, I've really not 
figured out how to, um, how to teach or transmit this. I will, but I'll, I'll give you the illustration. Uh, there are, listen, there are people who have heard the gospel, who know Jesus is Lord and Savior, and they do not want to be saved. Now, you, for, for me, that's kind of unimaginable. At this point in my life, I can't imagine anybody that, ha- that you would really present the gospel the way it should be presented and not do it in such a way in which it's a jud- judgmental thing, but you know, where, where the Holy Ghost can get in, co- in, in, in cooperation with it and, and help bring a realization to the person of, of, of being a sinner and a need for a Savior. There's people that have gone that far and have said no. Listen, that kind of hardness of heart and that type of of attitude towards the things of God, which we see a lot of agnostic and a lot of atheistic people. And on the other side of that, there's a huge move in the occult right now. I don't know if you know that or not, but there's a massive move amongst the occult. These crazy witches and warlocks and all these people. Listen, that's demonic. But did you know many of them do that by choice? You say, well, what point are you trying to make? There is going to be all kinds of crazy Winds of doctrine, which are what? Now, when it says like this, by the slight of men, cunning craftiness, whereby they are lying in wait to deceive. You're very vulnerable to deception when you're a babe. I've seen it happen. Whole movements of God. I'm telling you, I saw it when I first went into the ministry. There was a strong warfare movement that kind of came out of an erroneous movement called shepherding. Some people never grew up out of that. And man, they called the whole body of Christ to war and they, and they, and they had a, you know, these churches that were so controlling over people that was crazy. Thank God there was one powerful church in Houston, Lakewood Church, where Brother Osteen just stood up and openly spoke against it and said, look, here's what the Word of God says, here's what they're doing, and that's not right. Now, if you're a baby, that may be hard for you to receive. Listen, many of the, many of the cults, of our, uh, that have spawned off of Christianity have happened just like this. Where someone with a little bit of knowledge of the Word of God and a lot of demonic influence went in and found a bunch of babies. You say, now come on, Pastor. I, well, what about one that ended up down in South America and got 900 of them to commit suicide with him? That shows you how powerful that could be. That's why we got to grow up. Amen? Secondly, babies are notorious for making messes. There's a whole industry out there that caters to the mess of babies. <laughs> Amen. And you can't leave a baby in their mess. How many know that? You can't do that. That's neglect. But the problem is, a lot of babes in the church, a lot of babes in Christ, when they mess up, I thank God for the men and women that when I was around when I first came back to the Lord because I was such a babe in the things of God, but they were very compassionate, very kind, and very willing to clean up my own messes. When we get to the childhood state, See, that's where discipline begins. That's where instruction begins. That's where you begin to correct the mistakes. But in the babyhood state, you can't do it. They just made a mess and there ain't much you can do but clean up the mess. Ought to get a better amen. That's why many of our, our, our uh, what would we call it, our mothers and fathers in the face, faith would have enduring names, parental names. Mom and Papa Ward. Mom and Dad Goodwin. 
mom and dad Hagen. You say, why, did they, why are they always referred to as parental? Because when we were all young in the Lord and they were mature and we all messed up, they just kind of laughed and cleaned up the mess. Part of the babyhood state. Amen? Now, go, go to, i got just 10 minutes here. Let's, 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at it here for just a moment. You say, well, pastor, what if I kind of figure out that I'm in the babyhood state? Well, here's, your, here's, here's how you grow out of it. Amen? Chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 1. Excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Say it again for my own sake. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Here we go. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, you could imagine in that day, there was never, you know, there's no denominations. This is back in, in, in Peter and, and the Apostle Paul and all of these powerful men of God that were around Jesus, many that were witness to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. These guys had kind of grown up in the things of God. But in mass, people are coming into the church. Now, I don't know if you recognize or realize this, but every letter to the church that is written is a letter of correction. Because once people get born again and come into the body of Christ as babes and begin to feed on the Word a little bit, they grow up and they get into that childhood state. So many of those churches, when the Apostle Paul began to minister in them, were in that childhood state. So he's trying to set standards, correct them, and help them grow up out of that state. But now here Peter is obviously has dealt with a lot of babes. He had 3,000 of them born again on the day of Pentecost. And he wasn't much older in the Lord than many of them were. Amen. So I guarantee you, the first mess in the church. Does anybody remember the first mess in the church? Acts chapter 6. A prejudice rose up between the Grecians and the Hebrew women. About how some were getting food and some weren't. And how when they were getting food, they were getting inferior food and the others were getting better. Well, there's a mess right there. Amen? Well, thank God, the wisdom of God came on how to clean it up. We don't just fire everybody, get rid of everybody, run everybody. No, we clean it up. Here's what we do. We find out who the deacons are. Men that are full of faith. Men and women full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost and power. And have a servant's heart. And that took care of that mess. Amen? So, we must realize, now notice what it says. As newborn babes, it says in verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, I cannot speak, and I don't think any of us can, of any desires we had when we were infants. Amen. So, you know, when I was two months old, I really wanted to... No, I don't believe you know that. Amen. But for a babe in Christ, the predominant desire should not be for ministry, should not be to sing on the praise team, should not be to work in the nursery, should not be. It should be a desire for the sincere milk of the Word of God. That's why we encourage people when they get born again, they get saved here at Island Church, that they come and sit for at least six months. Come and grow in the things of God. Come and listen. Let that sincere milk of the Word cause you to, be, to begin to grow in the things of God. That's the way little babies grow. You give them the milk that they need. You give them what they need to help them grow. In the meantime, you cater to their dependency, you clean up their messes, and you do your best to keep stuff out of their mouth. 
Amen. Now notice what he says. Verse 2 again, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. So, so you're growing. If so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to, whose, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and, and precious, ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices ex acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now notice this. God is saying this. I want you to grow up together. Did you get that? I want you to grow up together. Because every one of you, I like what he called us, are lively stones. Now what is he referring back to? Do you know what he's referring back to? He's referring back to Matthew chapter 16 where he got that revelation, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Blessed art thou, Peter. For you're a little stone, but upon the great big huge stone of who I am, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He had a continuing revelation that every person that gets born again in the kingdom of God is born as a newborn babe into the kingdom and is a living stone in which God is putting together the spiritual house. See, this is the spiritual house is what this is. And you've got to understand, there are spiritual houses that are mature and that are, there are spiritual houses that are very immature. And many times it is a reflection of the gap in between the maturity of the pastor and the willingness of men and women to receive the Word of God which is being preached. Because a lot of, listen, a lot of people are very need-minded. We've said this for years. I think one of my biggest problems is I'm just not need-minded. I've seen God just do it too many times when many people, the sum total of their spirituality is the need that they have. That's childhood state. We'll talk about that later. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, if your mentality runs along the lines of not really caring about needs that much, and other people have that desire, the only desire, I've got to have this need met, then you'll find a gap in between the two where people need to grow. Not one needs to grow up more than the other, but people need to grow together. Did you notice? Now, now, now let me do this. My time's up. Did you notice? I, I thank God Lee and I got to experience this with Breland. When Breland was born... Even though Leah had carried Breland for nine months, there was a new person in our lives, in our family. There was a stranger in the house. But we could not respond to her as any other stranger. We had to grow with her. I mean, if, if, if a family came in and sat down and had three children... And all their children were, you know, nothing, no special needs children, nothing like just regular children. And all three of those children were, say, 8, 10, and 12. All three children. And they sat down. And, and then you, you kind of did a double take at the children. And they were all dressed like little infants. Had diapers on. Had little booties on their feet. You know, had a, had a bonnet on their head. Just like you'd dress one of these precious little babies. You'd look at them and say, that looks kind of strange. It would be out of place. I mean, that's why, that's why people, they grow up, you raise your children. Same thing is true in church. You have to make a decision. Now, that's, that's what's unique. That's what's different between the human family and the spiritual house. 
You say, what is that? People in the human family, they don't grow by choice. Listen, you can be the selfish, most selfish baby you want to be. doesn't matter. You're going to grow up. You're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to go to school one day. You're going to have to, you know, all the things that have to do with growing up, you're going to have to grow up. But in the church many times, people afford themselves what they think is the privilege of not growing. Just kind of riding on the wave of what God may be doing in that church or that spiritual house. Well, if I need to get healed, I'd go down there and get prayed for. But you may have to outgrow the next sickness or disease. Well, if I need money, I'd just go ask the pastor to pay the rent. Well, that may work a time or two, but it ain't going to work all the time. All of the things that you have to apply to your own life that have to do with your spiritual growth and development, you have to choose to do it. Amen? I think a lot of time we think just being here grows us up. It doesn't. It is us partaking of that sincere milk of the Word of God. And as we do, we become less dependent on the body of Christ. And you know what happens when you're not dependent on the body of Christ? Do you know what happens? The body of Christ becomes dependent upon you. And that's where you want to grow up into is the place where you are an asset to the body of Christ, doing what you're called to do in the way which God called you to do it, and you're not just a babe that's making messes all the time. Amen? So next week we'll study the childhood state, and we'll really be able to do some meddling with that one. <laughs> Things very unique to childhood. Amen? Thank God for it. Well, we love you. God bless you. I believe we have a particular way we're going to have to dismiss. But before we, before we do, I want you to stand so we can pray a prayer of dismissal. Don't forget also, we're going to continue to bless you. How many have been watching our... our did I already ask that question? Probably did. Be in the second, second service. So we're going to continue to send out all of those uh, little mini-series and different people exhorting you and, and blessing you because we need to be exhorting one another in this day and hour. Amen? And I know uh, some of you have had situations with jobs and businesses. Listen, we're praying. We're believing God with you. We're in the midst of all of this. But listen, wait on the Lord. Be patient. God is not going to be outdone by the adversary. There's going to be an explosion. There's already all around the world. There's a spiritual stirring that is going to lead to an awakening. In some places there is already people that are waking up out of their slumber. And I, I heard one, one man of God, I thought it was really good, he said, I see the church waking up, waking up out of its slumber and becoming the giant that it should be. And I believe that's exactly what God's doing with men and women that desire. Remember, stay on the right side of the fire. Amen. Father, we thank you today for all these precious people that have come. We speak blessings over their life. And we thank you for Psalms 91, as is the tradition and standard of our church. We claim that psalm over our life. We declare no evil befalls us. We declare no plague comes nigh our dwelling place. We thank you that angels have charge over us. So, Father, as we have to interact out in public, thank you that we're blessed in our travel, and on the highways, the airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation. We thank you that we're also blessed as we interact out in the community, as we go to the stores and the different places, as society begins to wake up again. Thank you, Father, that you're your cocoon of protection is over, even physically. We reject that which has come upon this earth. We stand against it in the authority that's in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you that the door of utterance is open for us like never before. Let us recognize, realize, appreciate, 
and enter into a personal evangelism in our own lives so that we can begin to take care of these babes again. See them come into the kingdom of God and grow in the things of God. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for all your blessings and goodness. Thank you for our church. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you that we are the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. And that here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.